Welcome to Pizza Luce in downtown Minneapolis, and welcome to the Cheryl Reeve Show. This is a special show, as you all know, because you're here for it. This is our annual winter wear drive, organized and run by Lori Ramsey, our good friend and longtime contributor to the show. Thank you all for being here. It's such a great cause. Uh, you're all, you all have such great hearts. I really appreciate it. Let me introduce the stars of the show here. Far right, we have Ariel Powers. Right here in the green sweatshirt, we have Lasia Clarendon. Right next to me, the boss, Cheryl Reeve. Congratulations again on the Olympic uh, assignment. It's such an okay. honor for you and for everybody associated with you. And you. the biggest star of the show, Brandon Morton. Nothing yeah, happens without Brandon. <laughs> Nothing happens without Brandon. Uh, thank you all for coming out. I'm going to say it again, even though Glory just reiterated it. The organization, the place you can still donate, givemn.org slash WWD21. Of course, you sold out this show. We appreciate that. Glory's going to organize all the, the, the prize giving away later. We'll also have Glory up later to talk about all of the issues. Uh, let's start here. I know you've been dying to, to just grill these two. Just ask these people tough questions. So, Get it started, Cheryl. I know so much about them. I, I want you to know everything. Um, well, what brings you all here? You know, what are you doing in town, Ariel and Leisha? You go. You go first. <laughs> As you can maybe see or not see, I'm still wearing this boot, and it's not for fashion. And I, yeah, finished the season with my stress fracture, so I'm here in town trying to get out of my boot and transition and get healthy. And yeah, I've had some good news this week, and it's going really well. So. I love you all, Minnesota, but otherwise I typically would not just, you know, gallivant over to the snow from California, but here I am, and I've survived so far. No frostbite. It's been really fun adventure. It's going to be 50 tomorrow. I don't know. What are they Whoa. complaining about? And like, you know, this 50, is nice. For, as somebody who travels a lot, 50 here feels warm. 50 oh, yeah. in California feels That's like true. throwing oh. the layers. It's surprising how quickly I've actually adapted. Oh, I was like a little bit like, oh, it's going to be 40. Like I was enjoying the little bit of like, <laughs> I'm so tough. And like I go parking garage to parking garage. Like I'm not that tough. But I've been <laughs> texting my wife like, it's 13 degrees here. It's so cold. <laughs> and as I, in my parka and beanie. Um, so it's been fun though. Yeah. And tell, tell us specifically about the good news you got on, on your, your foot. Yeah, just clear to start transitioning out of the boot. So you got to take your time. Um, it's a bone injury, so you can't just jump out of the boot and start walking around with all that um, pressure on it. So we're working with our amazing medical team and Chuck and everyone at Mayo Clinic to just start. I set my little timer for 15 minutes. I get to walk around my house in the morning with no boot on make my coffee, and then I kind of do my rehab over at Mayo and with Chuck, and then I get to do my timer again, and you just kind of progress a little bit every day in the hope that a little bit goes a long way, and then hopefully, you know, by um, mid-January, I'm completely out of the boot, and then I can get in the court with these guys and Katie over there, and then I can really start... <laughs> Worried about that part of my lungs. And we're honored to have Katie Smith here as well. Katie as, Smith in the of house. Of course, all, you know, all the links people who show up so often, we really appreciate it. And Ariel, I interrupted. How, how are you doing? And uh, tell us what you're doing in town. I'm doing good, and I'm happy to see all of you guys, everybody. Um, Katie put me through some drills today, so that was really, really fun. But coming back um, for about a week every month to come hang out and make sure I'm staying on top of my game so we're ready come May, right? Yeah. Yep. April 17th. April 17th, specifically. yeah, specifically. Yeah, we start really early. What do you think about that, Coach? Are you excited about that? Uh, I, I think it's great. I, I think, uh, you know, it's a week earlier, um, as Ariel's alluding to. I, you all saw the schedule was, yeah. was released, so that's exciting. Starts on my birthday. Uh, it's on oh. your birthday. Yeah, you'll be in Seattle. So. Okay, nice. <laughs> He's locked in. So, I yeah. love that. So it's a week earlier. It's a World Cup year, so uh, our league has, has shifted a little bit to accommodate uh, for that. Uh, so that's why uh, April, April 17th will be the start of our training camp. So Ariel will be ready to go. Yes, April by 17th. April 17th. <laughs> Let me correct that before I get in trouble. <laughs> April 17th, everybody. <laughs> so what was, it, what was it like for you two to hear the news about Cheryl becoming the Olympic coach? Oh, my God. It was amazing. First of all, I mean, everyone knows why I came to this organization, and a big reason was coach and everything she's done and just the coach that she is and getting the best out of her players. So it really wasn't a surprise to me that this happened to her because I think if you do the right things and you consistently – I mean, you have a passion for basketball. You love basketball, and it's your life. Ball is life, literally, for her. 
For me too. So like we all share this passion. So when I heard, I was so excited. Like I think I screamed in her ear <laughs> when she told me. But it kind of like it's like you deserve this. This is meant for you. So I was happy, and I saw her in her. Room. <laughs> Thank you. I saw her in her fly red suit, and I was like, "You need to wear more color for the games because you look good, girl." <laughs> I can't be a distraction on the sidelines. I feel like hold you should it, wear the color it. of the Cheryl other team. just said, "I quote Cheryl Reeve just said, Make a I can't of this. be a distraction on the sideline." <laughs> Do we have Brandon? We we got that right. Yeah. Okay. I think we're done here. I don't think we need to talk about anything else. I think we need to clip that, and I'll yes. send it to her before every game. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I think like that's that. a poster. That's a, that's a billboard. We we can we can work with that. Well, Cheryl, it hasn't been that long, and you know I talked about it last week a little bit. What has life started to change? Have you had to start working on anything or planning anything out for the the new gig? Uh yeah, you know it's it's been going on for a while. It was communicated. Um, sure. You know, uh, prior to the obviously the the official announcement, and um, so you know, your your mind now the little bit of the time that I had before to not think about uh, basketball is now filled again, uh, and so yeah, I mean you're just thinking about uh, you know what you envision, who you're going to do it with. You know, we've got so many great players. I can't wait to see uh, a lot of the players in February. I'm really excited to get it going, and and uh, yeah, I mean so it's it's going to be fast. A lot of basketball starting in February all the way through to September when we're in Sydney, Australia for the World Cup. So um, you know, I'm just I'm just hoping to to represent. You know, I said we're not just representing our country. I, I'm excited to represent all of you. Uh, and that was the thing that really that hit me the most on on last Wednesday was just. Uh, how great our organization is. And, and it was just really fun to show everything off and show our players off, you know, how, how supportive we are. It's a family, uh, you know, our great staff, uh, our assistant general manager, Claire DeWilliams, is in the house. Thanks for being here, Claire. Um, and our, our rock star uh, media communicate, uh, I'm sorry, communications manager, Simone New. Um, just, they just were incredible. They, you know, so much went into this uh, to make it a special day. And, and so for me, it was a celebration of this organization uh, and all the, the, that we've done here together. And, and so, um, you know, just, it's, I guess, yeah, I haven't stopped thinking about it really very much at all, Jim. And, um, but it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to have a chance to represent everybody. I would like both of you, if you would, just to talk about growing up, when you first got interested in basketball, and maybe who, were, who some of your main influences were that helped you get to this point. If you could start, AP. Um, I, I literally don't remember a time that I wasn't playing basketball. Um, everybody knows I started in boxing first, and then basketball just fell in my lap, and that was just one thing I was in love with. I mean, I didn't need anybody to tell me to play. Um, I remember times I would be my parents would be like, okay, we're going to your grandmother's house. And I'll be like, okay, let me get my shoes and my basketball. Like, I always had it in the trunk with me everywhere I went. It wasn't a time that I didn't have it. Um, the passion was just always there, and the love was always there for me. Um, and it just continued through my years. And the people that influenced me the most were my parents and my father. Um, my dad was in the military. was in the military. He's a Marine. So he was very hard on me growing up. And... I thank him for that because I wouldn't be the person or the player I am today if it wasn't for him. So one of the big influences for me was my father. Is that where you get your? Yeah, I, yeah, I was gonna say everybody knows I didn't. Know yeah. She was a boxer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought you go. Yeah, wow. my Your first YouTube sport. Channel, you know, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my first sport was uh, boxing. I love boxing, but my mom like didn't want me to do boxing like at all. Like, don't get hit in the face. Don't get hit in the face. I mean, but the money making. <laughs> Wait, how old were you when you were um, boxing? Really, really young. Like my dad was teaching me when he was like. Um, when we lived, we lived in actually California. My brother was born there because we were, you know, he was in the Marines. Yeah. We, I forget exactly where we lived, but I was. I was doing this at a young age, really, really young, and like young. And um, then basketball, and it was it was over after that. It was just like basketball yeah. is life, ball is life, literally for me. So I took my ball everywhere, everywhere. I love that. AP, who's your personality most like, your mom or your dad? Ooh, people ask me this. Um, I think I have a mixture. I think off the court, um, it's more like my mom, like like softer, like sweeter, like that's me. That's my mom, totally. If you meet her, and then my dad. I haven't is, seen the softer, sweeter side. <laughs> where where is she? What, what's her? I'm just kidding. <laughs> and then like on the court, I think it's like my father, very like you know, or going through injuries. It's very like aggressive. Yeah. It's very um, you don't 
run from anything, you go through everything, you know? So like when it comes to adversity, you don't run from it, you go through it. And that's something he taught me. When, you know, don't be fearful of anything. And I think I carry that in everything I do in my work ethic is that way too, because, of, because I've been groomed that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I actually was uh, wanted to play football when I was growing up, Ooh, close to it. my dad. And my mom wouldn't let me. She was like, similar to the moms, like, my baby! Like, you are not going to hurt my baby! I used to play, um, we'd go to my brother's, like, Pop Warner games, yeah. and my dad would just, like, I would have been wide receiver. Like, he would throw the ball, yeah. and I would just, boom, and, like, yeah. catch everything. And he's like, I'm going to put you in Pop Warner. And mom's like, no, you're not. So, <laughs> but I always, similar, had a love for basketball. Like, I don't, I still resonated with what you said about never remembering a time without it. Yeah. So my sister's five years older than me. And so by the time I came around too, like I just always had that modeled for me. I had the person like I, I remember, I don't ever remember a time when basketball was not a part of our life or my family. And it's just, it's woven into the thread of like who I am today. I think if you took it out, if you like went back and pressed the button, it would change like the whole trajectory of your life because yeah. it's, it's a part of who we are in so many ways. Um, and for passion and influence, my dad, similarly, I didn't realize he had so many uh, connections was we just vibed over it and we butted heads a lot and we have mm -hmm. really similar personalities and it was always the kind of push pull with him. But my dad, he poured a concrete slab in our backyard and I had a half court basketball court wow. growing up. So we lived in a cul-de-sac, which was really cool. And we had a court out front. And so I played with my neighbors. I had like neighbors with kids on both sides. And so we played all the sports in the front yard of like, you know, hockey, freeze tag, all the things in the it. backyard. I had a half court slab That's so crazy. with the light. Like I saw this light <laughs> at Home Depot <laughs> recently and I'd like stopped and took a picture. It's just like this orange cord, like this little light that you hang up there. So like when it got dark, I could still play. And my yeah. dad just like hooked the light up there and I would just play in my backyard that. for like hours and hours and hours. Um, and so he was a big part of my life. And then I grew up watching Sue play. Like I remember sitting on the couch, just watching her play and, and it's wild to obviously play against her now and to get to know her as a person and a leader, even within the stuff that we do here at the union. And so it's been, it's really cool to see that she's still playing. So <laughs> she is it's like 20 I was, years. I was on the couch in middle school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sue, if you're listening, it's really not that old. <laughs> 20 years, 20 years, 20 years in the WNBA for Super. Wow. wow. And is she coming back? I don't know. I'm not breaking any news. Uh, Her picture is on a lot of promotional <laughs> items. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm, I'm sure, yeah, that was, I'm sure that was probably something that she looked at and probably got a pretty good giggle at. I, I don't think Sue's ready to make a decision yet. Okay. But, but yeah, I think that was some, some fun play by the organization. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of which, Sylvia Fowles flew up here to be at your, your ceremony. Have you had any conversations with her? Any definitive conversations with her yet? Uh, I have definitive conversations with her all the time. Oh, Specifically, uh, uh, with regard to playing, uh, yeah. you know, no. And uh, if I did, I probably wouldn't share them at this point. I know. I just um, like putting pressure on <laughs> but, I, but I like how media members, you got to ask. Yeah. Uh, and Cheryl talks, right? So, you know, Cheryl like, talks. <laughs> ask Cheryl because she talks. That's the new name of the show. Cheryl talks. <laughs> <laughs> so, no. Um, you know, when, when Syl's ready, obviously, she'll share those things with us. Yeah. Uh, for, for both of you, uh, what was your we're first... We're praying, though, just so, you know, we're all... Oh, well, yeah. I, I mean, believe me, everybody is. I mean, and she, and she, I mean... I don't know about everybody. There are, well, there are 11 other teams, well, I think, well, that are kind I was, of planning I was the speaking, retirement party. I was speaking very provincially, and yeah. uh, as someone who uh, has gotten to know so a little bit, and I mean, she's... Yeah. I mean, basketball aside, she's just such a blast. She's just a great person to have around. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, much like, you know, when I communicated um, with Ariel and when I called, when I called Syl... Um, you know, she was the first call that I made and, and uh, you know, I did try to ask her if there was maybe a possibility that she could unretire. There was nothing official about that retirement. She certainly could, she could still do this, but um, just how happy um, Syl was and um, you all know Syl uh, well enough to know how generous she is and um, immediately said, I'm flying up there, you know, I'm going to be there and not going to miss that and, um, you know, I'm, I'm just thankful for the person that Sylvia Fowles is. You know, that's what we'll miss the most. You know, the basketball, you know, I mean, oh, okay, I'll miss that too. But, but the idea that, you know, just who Syl has been, you know, and how she's done it is, is what's been really special. What's it been like for each of you to play with Syl? You want me to go? You can play. I love Lay's stories when she talks about. What are my stories? <laughs> but you talk about, I've never played with a really good post player yeah, before. Seriously. 
hopefully no all those post players you played, played with. Yeah. <laughs> listening to the Cheryl I've Reeves show. I've never played with a back to the basket oh, specific post player, player in my career. Okay. And I'm like, wow, like you just throw the ball in there. It's not that hard. People like she, she catches everything and then she scores like by the rim at a very high rate and efficiency. Um, so basketball wise, like to play with someone who is so dominant and is a legend, like you can play your whole career and never play with a player like that, never be put in a position to actually win a championship, never get around leaders that good. I've been really fortunate to be around some really good leaders in my um, time in my in the WNBA. And so I'm really grateful for the basketball part of it because that's like, you know, that's why we do this. We want to win. Um, and that's really special to know that, like, I'm going to tell my kid one day, like, I was playing with Sylvia Fowles. Like, <laughs> you can watch the clips on yeah. YouTube. Um, and then the person part of it, too. Like, I've known Syl from around the league. I've known her from USA Basketball. But it's one thing to know someone from the outside in. And it's different to know them when you're in the trenches of it. And so from the outside, I could see you at USA, you know, maybe we, she didn't play in 2018, so I never played with her like in an official competition, but to really get behind the scenes with her, and that's when you really get to know the, the true character of who people are and how they operate. And that um, has been, I think, the thing that I've loved the most is just to see the person she is and how much she gives to people. And it's hard to describe what someone with her presence on the court and her talent and then her what she brings in terms of leadership it's just like you look to sill and she's going to say what she needs to say in the huddle and she um she gives people their places to be in and that's really important when you're on a team and you know how to who you're orbiting around and she gives you that and it makes it really easy when you're one of the planets you're like we're we're around (laughs) sill like there's me and when you don't have that person you see how quickly a team just like falls where the planets are like "Ah, i don't know what to do now yeah I totally, I totally agree with. Every, oh, sorry. <laughs> I totally agree with everything Lay said. Uh, the first thing, when I was able to get out there, was still mentioning like back to the basket, dominant pose, and I mentioned this to coach too. Like I haven't played with one since college or WNBA because they were all like forwards pop, you know, like basically forwards playing five, five positions. So I remember <laughs> I remember specifically in practice when I threw the ball up and I literally was like, oh, shoot, like that was probably too high. And she caught it and laid the ball up. And I was like, I'm so sorry. She's like, no, I like it that, I like it that high. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like you almost just dunked the ball, literally. So um, she's amazing in everything she does. But her leadership was one of the things that stood out to me, too watching and everybody knows I wasn't playing for half the season. So you see a lot like when you're like outside watching and you know, I'm able to be in huddles and to see how people are when adversity hits or you know, when you're doing good and then you start doing bad, like how do people react to each other? And she was always the one that like Lay said, we look to for leadership, but she never like shied away from it. Like she always made sure um, we felt her leadership, but also was able to basically get behind her and say, yeah, we're, we're, we're riding this out with you. Let's, let's go. You know, we started zero and four. No one would have thought that, but we, we kept going and still was a big reason why her leadership was. I'm going to ask each of you about what your first year, other than just Syl, what it was like to be a, a Minnesota Lynx for this one year. Do you want to reintroduce the show? This is a Cheryl Reeve show, part of the TalkNorth.com podcast network. Uh, you know how to listen. You know, you know all the stuff I usually talk about. I'm going to skip all that tonight. Uh, once again, the place to go to donate to the Winter Wear Drive is givemn.org slash WWD21. Uh, we're going to do live questions. Anybody wants to ask a question, just come up. I will just hand you my mic, and let's just keep it loose, have fun, ask whatever you like. Uh, I'm going to quickly thank our sponsors, Rudy Luther Toyota. Ready for a women-forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. 10 cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. 
Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today. All Energy Solar. All Energy Solar is a home improvement project. Solar energy can start paying for itself the moment the system is powered up. It can pay back 100% of the installation costs within eight years. Plus, a system from All Energy Solar can even pay back over 300% of its cost over its lifetime. You can save more if you install by the end of the year with 2021 solar incentives. Learn how you can make the switch this summer at AllEnergySolar.com. Pizza Luce. We're at the downtown Pizza Luce on 4th Street, right by Target Center and all the, the downtown events. Uh, we but we love going to all the Pizza Luce's. We do shows at the Eden Prairie one. We, there, there are Pizza Luce's all over town. They're close to you. Great places to hang out. Uh, obviously, they have good hearts for supporting events like this. Great pizzas, great hoagies, great drinks, great places to hang out and watch sports, uh, great places to pregame and postgame. Uh, in my younger days, this was definitely a postgame place for me. Uh, I helped close the place down a few times. So thank you very much to, to Pizza Luce. And also, special thanks to uh, Cara Quinn, my realtor. She should be your realtor. Check her out at caraquinnrealtor.com or at vibemnrealty. Uh, she has some... and. Typical of Cara, instead of putting out like any kind of an advertisement, she put out a list of things we should all be donating to and be aware of at this time of year. She's just a great person. And of course, Glory Ramsey from Successful Marketing Group, uh, one of our, our earliest sponsors. Thanks to Glory for all she does. All right, so uh, if you have a live question, just come up. I'll give you the mic. Come up anytime during the show. Uh, it's very, very relaxed. Why if you would, just uh, tell, tell me what it was like to play for the Lynx for, for a year. You want me to go first? Okay. So it was amazing. Um, it's always like you're always nervous coming into a new situation. And I'm sure you felt the same way because um, we're both new. And um, it's always you're always nervous. Like, how are the girls going to react to me? You know, I, I play with, I don't even know if you guys know, I played with Planet. Uh, she was my vet when I was um, actually drafted in Dallas. So I felt like a comfortability already because I'd known her for years and I played with her. But it's always like, how is it going to be when you come into this new situation? And I felt like the girls really accepted me. Uh, also helped me through like my injuries and just keeping my head on straight and level. Um, and then when I finally was able to get out on the court and, and go to war with my girls, I felt, I felt good and I felt like this is the place I need to be from everything. You know, the coaching staff, Chuck, me and him basically becoming best friends. <laughs> me and him became best friends like running the stairs together. Like if we would have got video of that, that would have been hilarious. Like him trying to beat me on the stairs like as conditioning. And I'm just so happy and thankful that I was able to come here. And I can't wait for next year. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a freaking blast. But. The bickering, you and Chuck bickering in the, yeah. in the training room. <laughs> bickering too. Like a married couple. What? Do it again. What? <laughs> but yeah, I'm so happy to be here. And also the fans too. Um, I told Coach this before. Uh, every team I played for, coming here, it was always, like, extremely, extremely tough because of the fans and how loud you guys are and how supportive you are, like, <laughs> right? <laughs> but now I'm on the opposite end of that where I get I get the love, yeah. right? So uh, it's you, you guys know that you guys have my heart, like, a hype play. I'm, like, in your face. I'm in her face. I'm in y'all face. Like, let's go. So everything about that is, like, love. So I appreciate you guys and always just – riding with us seriously even when we were zero and four it was no hesitation so mm -hmm. i love that yeah yeah <laughs> i had a similar um obviously some of my story was a whirlwind this year getting to you know be nice to just show up to training camp this year like <laughs> and be there from the beginning and know the offense and you know know the players and know the building and how to get around and what elevator to take you know i was just completely lost i lived in a hotel for like the month, three <laughs> yeah. weeks when I first got here. Um, so that was a little different than like, you know, signing and being here from the beginning. But to the end of your point, I really resonated with that too. Like it, um, one, it felt in some ways like a homecoming, which is weird. Yeah. Um, but it felt like a place to like land and kind of a salve when, you know, there was a lot going on in the past year. And Minnesota has always been one of my favorite places to play. Um, it was always really hard to play here too. <laughs> always. But it was always, when you're on other teams, there's something about playing in different arenas. Like there's the vibe, there's, you know, especially when you might play a Wednesday night or one of those hard nights and depending who you're playing, like I won't name the other teams because Cheryl's like very territorial. <laughs> <laughs> there's some other teams I liked playing against when I was on other teams. But Minnesota, it had... Um, 
the arena and the way the court is, obviously the fan base, even the pregame videos. Like I'd always be on the way team, yeah. like doing the um, like art clap, like ding. And my, we gotta play Maya more. It's Mona Gustis. Like we, I mean, I was on some teams that got smacked. So like that was never fun. <laughs> But it was really fun to be in the environment. And that's what you want in the dub is like to play in that kind of environment, that high level, like competitive environment where it really always felt like you were professional when you played against Minnesota Lynx. And so now, you know, to be a part of that obviously um, is a tremendous honor. And it also makes your job a lot easier. So the ability to show up and play in Minnesota and just worry about, um, you know, like, am I touching the line? Am I being a good enough point guard? <laughs> am I doing all the little things I need to do? Because, you know, I have a high-level coach around me, a high-level staff. I have high-level, like, um, medical people. Um, and the city's really cool. And I just always recognize, like, some fans from when I'm, like, looking at you, too. There was fans when I played against Minnesota that always were just like, oh, we love you, hey. It's like the queer thing I realized too now. So it, I think in that way, it felt like a homecoming too of like, it's like the queerest town ever. And I didn't realize there were so many, um, <laughs> I didn't realize there were so many trans non-binary people here either. I think that was a big thing when I, when I um, had come out and had gone to games, like people would, you know, jump over the side of the thing when I'm walking down the tunnel, like, Lysha, I'm non-binary too. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I walk onto the court. Um, so that has just felt a lot of love yeah. and a lot of homecoming in that way. And again, it always like comes back down to the people. And that's what you really see from the inside yeah. out here at Minnesota. Very cool. You're so funny, dude. Did you have a follow-up, Cheryl? I, I don't, know. Okay. <laughs> well, let, let's talk about the WMA a little. This might sound a little out of question because of some of the people in the panel and in the audience, but there are a couple of coaching openings in the WNBA. Any right. thoughts on either, either the Liberty job or the Mercury job? Uh, I'm going to stay in Minnesota. Uh, <laughs> I don't uh, See, you ask a really good question, you get a really good answer. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think, uh, obviously, we have a really qualified staff. And, and so every time there's an opening, I think we should be the first uh, phone calls. Um, obviously, I think Katie Smith, uh, who's here tonight, is going to be one heck of a uh, head coach in her, her next go-around. Uh, we've seen that. Um, Sandy Brundell is a great example, right, in San Antonio, uh, was just there for one season, really was not given a very great opportunity, a very good opportunity. And then her next job, she wins a championship. So I think Katie Smith's pass is similar. Uh, the situation that she was in uh, in New York was, was a rotten one for a first-time head coach for many, many reasons. I can say those things. Katie can't, but I can say those <laughs> things. Um, and I remember the day that uh, when the New York thing ended, I remember calling Katie and saying, you're a hell of a coach and don't let them and that experience make you feel like you're not. Uh, anybody that's around her knows. Uh, and so, um, obviously, I think she'd be a great candidate for uh, the Phoenix job. Uh, <laughs> I'm protective. I'm not going to let her go some places. But, um, and also, you know, Planet and Rebecca, uh, who, who I think, you know, um, you know, it's the reason why, you know, we went to uh, the staff that we did. We have a badass staff. I mean, there's so many times when I watch us walk out there and I'm kind of like, I'm Yay. hanging out with some cool kids, man. This is awesome. <laughs> you know, they're really talented and, and uh, you know, um, I'm excited for, for their opportunities to come. And, you know, before the Atlanta job was filled, um, you know, our staff, you know, had a, we, we, were, we had at least one that was, was talking to them. So it's a matter of time. It's what I want. You know, I, I told Katie she can stay as long as she wants. You know, Planet, BB, as long as you want. Uh, but I don't want it to be long because I want them to get the opportunities that they deserve. I've never asked Rebecca if she wants to be head coach in the WNBA. Has she given you an answer about that? You know, I think the, the first year she did the was the bubble season down in Bradenton. Um, I told her when we talked at the end of this season, I said, you just put your toe in the water in that first year. And it was easy to do. You know, I kind of talked her into this and said, I think you'd be good. Just give it a try and see. And, and so she just put her toe in the water. And then I thought last season I told her she actually got in the pool um, and got wet. And I think she really liked it. And uh, so now, you know, we're talking about going to the deep end, which is the idea of uh, preparing yourself to be a head coach, and, and she's all in to do that. Uh, were you surprised at all by the way uh, the Liberty handled Walt? Or I, I, I don't want to ask you a leading question, but I it was very do, leading. I, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to be diplomatic. I'm trying to put I'm trying to put the cake in front of you and leave it up to you whether you want to eat it or not. So yeah. is there anything you want to say about all that? There's not anything I want to say about it. Okay. Um, <laughs> You know, it was, 
it, it probably worked out like it was supposed to and should have, and, and that's probably where we should leave it. But, um, Lay you know. your thoughts. No. <laughs> oh, well, she did not just do that. <laughs> AP has a future. Uh, she, does. she does. She does. I just need to say one thing. Coach, I love you, and you're a little bit more generous than me. Katie, I don't want you to go anywhere, okay? I'm going to say that right now. You're my girl. I love shooting with you. I love working out with you, but I don't want you to go anywhere. <laughs> Katie gives you the blues, doesn't she? I know, she always... I know, but I love her, man. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. No, we have a great staff. We're, we're very, very fortunate. We I'm very, very blessed. And, Lay, is there anything you want to say about your experience with the New York Liberty or what's going on now? <laughs> Ooh, I will second Cheryl. I think it worked okay. out like it should. And I think New York deserves to be a really well-run organization that should have like high-level people doing that job. Zing! <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, one topic we've been talking about for way too long is who will be the first woman to coach in the NBA. And Becky Hammond's name's been up there for a long time. But now there are, frankly, there are a lot of interesting candidates. Do you guys have any opinions on... Uh, who should get that honor? Who's, who's kind of in line for that? Who you would like to see do it? I'll just start by saying I think it's a waste of time to do it because the men aren't going to allow it. Um, you know, it's the only place that women don't lead. Uh, and so we go through this drill every offseason now. Oh, yep. Becky got an interview. No, it's just um, when it becomes like really real and, and, and you have uh, men and I've, I've talked to many men in the NBA and uh, the way they talk about women and women in coaching and, um, you know, this is, you know, this DE&I business that the NBA is in uh, right now is just window dressing. And we've got to get serious about it. And I think we've got to get to a point where uh, we start to say uh, and use our leverage and our power and we start to decline uh, these things and, and perhaps maybe even leave the NBA until we get somebody in that position of leadership in the next few years. Someone like Steve Kerr, who's so outspoken about it, he knows it's not happening. You know, and, and I've had people, you know, say, well, it's hard to take a leap of faith. Leap of faith to do what? Do you know how many awful coaches coach in the NBA? Are you going to tell me that we can't be as awful? So give us an opportunity. Give us an opportunity. You know, give us an opportunity. And pay us, you know, $5 million to do it. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't want to be too pointed about it, but... I think the worst coach I've ever, well, the first worst basketball coach I've ever been around. Should I say it? I don't know. I'm nervous. Is, is, <laughs> I mean, David Kahn was hired to run a basketball operation in this town. He had no idea what he's doing. And he hired Kurt Rambis, who was the worst coach I've ever been around in my life. I mean, and he really wasn't qualified. He was just a former Laker. Yeah. He was just a guy who was, played for the Lakers. He didn't really know what he was doing. He didn't, he didn't know how to run a play. He no, nobody ever lined up right off the sideline. He screamed horrible words at his players on the court during games. I mean... I never did that. <laughs> I think you're a little more... T I, I bet you didn't yell the names he yelled at people. Probably not. I will probably. say that. Uh, I, you know, I do remember those years. That was my early years. And I remember walking around going, I think I could win 16 out of 82 games. Pay me to $4 yeah. million to, you know, to do that. And I won't run the stinking triangle offense that they That's were trying right. to run, remember? Triangle offense with people who couldn't run a triangle offense. That's right. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> is that, I mean, that's, that's the thing, is that it, it's amazing how high the bar gets set for a woman coach when we just see random people getting NBA coaching jobs just because they happen to be in the right place at the right time. And listen, I, and I'm not really taking shots at anybody. Like, I think Chris Finch paid his dues. I think he's a smart guy. I think he's probably going to be a pretty good NBA head coach. I'm not taking a shot at him in particular. I, I'd like him. But it's just so routine. It's yeah. just, okay, that assistant, somebody said something nice about him. That's good enough. We'll hire yeah. him. Yeah, to me, it's about, you know, like you said, it's not, it's not here locally. It's the, it's the NBA. It's, you know, it's really men's sports. It's the mentality yeah. of men's sports that what they're doing is so difficult, a woman could not do that. And that's the only place that we're not leading. And once we do, look out, because uh, you know, a, lot of, a lot of men aren't going to be qualified anymore when you get some of these women in there. Um, and it's not the players, by the way. No. It's not the players. No. It, it's the positions of leadership. And, you know, and I've been covering the NFL since 1989, and it's the same for black coaches in the NFL. It's like they're they have to be so much more qualified to get a shot than somebody who's a buddy of somebody else. And, and studies have been done. It's like the networking in the NFL. It's like most, a, a huge percentage of the coaches come from like Pennsylvania because 
coaches used to come from Pennsylvania, and so they know people, they network, they have sons, those people get good jobs, put some, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing how much it is just who you know and how, and how you know them. Uh, any live questions? Anybody want to come up and contribute? Or, Gloria, Gloria this is a good time for you to, to take the mic and, uh, and just tell us about the uh, prize pack and everything else you're doing. You have a live question? Yeah. Let's do it. Hello, hi. Hi there. So when you think of the phrase, be the person you needed when you were younger, how do you think you fulfilled this person for yourself? Say, say it one more time. That was deep for me. Um, me too, say it here. When you think of the phrase, be the person you needed when you were younger, how do you think you fulfilled this person for yourself? Yeah. Mm. Cursing a lot. <laughs> Ariel, do you want to take that one? I want to think a little longer. Yeah. I, I can start with that one. I mean, like, oh, it is Dang, deep I feel too. like I'm yeah. on. Nice uh, handwriting, by the what way. What do we watch? I feel like we're, like, the what's the model pageant stuff we watch? I feel like I'm on that. Um, <laughs> what is that for USA? Uh, woo, that was deep. Okay, you go first. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but thank you yeah, for the question thank you for in the it. back. Um, I think. This is a really well, poignant question right now, too, because I, as someone who is parenting, really, anyone who's a parent, you should have told me more. <laughs> parenting brings up a lot of your stuff, and there's, I've been doing a lot of, like, reparenting work for myself, right? So reparenting yourself as, like, that younger person who maybe didn't get, you know, your needs met a certain way or needs, needs something, and I've often said this phrase, like, when I've talked and been like, obviously, I'm the queer and the trans person and all the things that, you know, I didn't see that representation when I was younger. But to experience it now, I think, as a parent, is, it really changes the dynamic and the way I um, kind of embody it and the way I feel it in my body. And so I think I'm doing a phenomenal job. Um, I think I'm fulfilling it really well. Um, but I think... Um, I'm learning a lot more than it's simply like being the representation that I wanted to see. I think I've done that. I was like, I could check that box, like I'm good. I could get off social media and I'm like, whew. <laughs> I've done all the things with that. But I think I'm learning it's, it's deeper and fulfilling that in myself and the way I'm like showing up for my child and parenting them with, um, you know, my parents did a phenomenal job, by the way. I think our parents do the best they can with what they have, with what they know, with the resources they have, right? But they don't always get it 100% right. And I think it's, it's been really humbling for me to be in the position now um, where I'm like, wow, they really were trying their best. Like, I'm trying my best here. And it's like really, really hard. Um, and so I think I'm really even fulfilling that in a new way that I didn't know like I needed or was possible. Um, I, my baby's going to be one in this, this month. And so oh. it's been really... Ooh, it's making me like emotional. It's been really um, just interesting in terms of the, the parenting role. And I think I needed um, the person when I, that I needed when I was younger was someone who could give me a little more emotional capacity. And right, my parents didn't have that. Like you think about the generations, the way they were raised, right? Like my parents were like, we're making it work. Like you got food, you're good. Like I'm taking your basketball games, you got basketball shoes on, like... You're fed, right? But I think we're learning more as the generations go on of like our emotional needs and how I'm fulfilling that now by learning to parent my child in a way that like fulfills those needs and asks them questions, even though, you know, they can't really talk yet, but um, kind of naming their emotions and being really present with those things. And in turn, I'm fulfilling that for my younger self too at the same time when it's like, it can be really emotional, but, I, but wow. Thank you for listening to that, because that was a really, like, a reflection that just caught me off guard. You probably made me cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, a few things. Okay. So, um, when I was younger growing up, it was a few things that, you know, I feel like I've fixed or gotten better at. For, for one, this, public speaking. Hell no. <laughs> I would not do something like this. Um, even in class, I was very nervous to present. Um, like right now, if this was my younger self, I would be sweating under this, like like shirt drenched under this, just talking and looking at you guys and just just voicing my opinion. Like I would literally freak out. Um, that's something I've gotten better at and worked on. Also, um, like, <laughs> this is very deep, but when I was going to, to, to high school, it was just like, 
every girl had their hair down and like so luscious and I wore braids. And I told Ezra this story before. And the first time I ever had my hair down, I was like, oh my God, like trying to touch my hair. And I just felt like, oh, I want, I wanted to, I want, I want to look this certain way, but I want I started trying to do my hair. I couldn't do my hair. It was just like a like a like a situation where I was fighting for, I wanted to be this person because everybody else in high school was this way. But I like my braids. And now braids are like a thing now. And I think I kind of just struggle with the whole sense of that, like, who who am I? Who do I want to look like? Who do I want to be? You know, and now it's like, I am who I am. I'm Ariel Power. So if I want to wear, hair, wear my hair this way, I'm going to do it. If I'm, I'm going to wear my hair this way, I'm going to do it. Like, I am who I want to be. And it, those, are just, those are just things I struggled with growing up. And also, um, emotionally, I think, um, like, Talking to you guys about something as sensitive as this, I, I don't think I would. Or sometimes talking to you or Katie or even my girlfriend in the back, like I don't think I was so like vulnerable. And now I'm very, I'm very open and vulnerable with whomever because I know who I am as a person. Um, also in college, I realized I was very defensive, like with everything. So like even if my teammates were teasing me, it was more like I got def like defensive, like don't tease me, like don't say that about me. And one girl, um, Annalise Pickerel, you guys can look her up. I know that thing. Yeah, yeah, Michigan. <laughs> Why did everybody laugh? What am I missing? Um, so Michigan State. Um, one day she says something to me in the locker room. She goes you know, we're just playing with you because we, we like you. You're our teammate. Like, why are you so defensive? And then I start thinking, like, the whole week, and I'm just like, why am I so defensive with certain things? Why am I like this? Why am I like this? And I think it was a way of how I was brought up. Like, not my parents, but just, like, like in Detroit, like, certain things, like, just certain things you learn. And I'm like, man, I shouldn't be as defensive as I am. And I had to learn how to laugh at myself and joke around and play and just, I mean, coach knows I'm very like, la 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 sometimes and do dumb stuff and t people tease me about it and now I just laugh with them. I'm like, yeah, I was pretty dumb of me, but whatever. And before I would be like so upset, but that's just a way um, of answering your question. Like the person I needed when I was younger, I think now that I've gotten older, um, I've been able to help myself and just change to be the person I am today. Yeah. Damn, that was deep. <laughs> Don't let her ask no more questions. Yeah. You're getting emotional up here. Well, I'm glad AP's not defensive anymore <laughs> at all. Right, Katie? Okay, maybe I still am a little bit, but like the percentage of me, <laughs> the percentage of me being as defensive has changed. <laughs> Uh, that was a good question and uh, got a great answer. Thank you for that. We appreciate it. And again, anybody who wants to ask questions, come on up and I'll hand you the mic. Hopefully uh, they get easier from here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Thank you. Oh, that was good. Uh, by the way, AP, I, I, had, I couldn't get up in front of a class and talk. Like my, I, I, maybe to my senior in high school, I just couldn't. Really? What got you over the hump with that? Um, you know, Coach Merchant at Michigan State, she talked to me. And she said, and also I was in a communications major, so I had to do better, <laughs> right? Why? <laughs> and um, she talked to me, and she goes, you're going to be doing a lot of these things. You have to get better at it. And she was just like, with basketball, you know, you try, like, you're not good at this, you try to get better. Like, you have to do that when it comes to speaking out loud. And I really felt, I really felt and heard her when she said, you're going to be doing a lot you have to get better. And I was like, oh my God. So, I mean, I started and I kid you not, I would go home after things like this and my shirt would be like so wet. Like you could hug me after and like touch my back and it would be, I would be sweating like I just played a game. So the more and more I got in front of cameras, the more and more I did things like this, I just got a little bit easier. It, it got a little bit easier and I was able to do more and more. Now I'm Making TikToks and stuff, so whatever. <laughs> That's great. Lori, you ready to come up and, uh, and tell us more about the prizes and everything else? Uh, so this, you'll be hearing from Lori Ramsey, uh, proprietor of Successful Marketing Group, SuccessfulMarketingGroup.com, and, of course, the, uh, the force behind the sixth annual winter wear drive. Great. Thanks, thanks again, everybody, for being here. Um, you know, the reason that we do this is because, well, first of all, I'm from Texas, so... 
the winners here are crazy long. And I can't imagine having to be on the streets in this weather. So, you know, if I can get a hoodie, that's really how it started. Um, somebody just sent me an email from the Arise Project, and they were looking for 200 hoodies, and they were hoping they would get it. I was like, well, geez, I, I got some friends. We can get some hoodies and some, you know. And so here we are, and right now we're over $10,000 for this drive. <clears throat> And that's you guys. Um, again, a lot of you give every single year and, and give a lot, so thank you. Um, but yeah, so tonight, any given night in Minnesota, there's 6,000 youth on the street. And of the, all the homeless individuals in Minnesota, 46% of them are children and youth under 24. So, and 40% of them that we know of, 40%, um, identify as LGBTQ. And I say that because a lot of us know that there's probably more than that that are afraid to identify the truth about, you know, how they're living their life. So it's really important, and um, I thank you guys so much for helping. Um, we're looking to um, get a lot of, of these items out to them as soon as possible again. One of the quick things I wanted to tell you is that last year, um, the Bridge for Youth had opened up their new families and um, children, infant uh, center, and they didn't have any winter clothing for these babies. I mean, from newborn to eight months, four years. And we were able to, you guys, we were able to take that money and help them buy everything they needed for these homeless babies, um, winter wear that they, I mean, you guys know how expensive a, a snowsuit is for an infant or a baby. So anyway, thank you guys again, and thank you all for helping, and um, I appreciate you all so much. Thank you, Lori. Thank you for doing this. Thank, thank you to everyone for being here and supporting this. We really do appreciate it. And thanks, of course, to Ariel Lay for coming out tonight. They, you know, everybody here is doing it out of the goodness of their heart. We really do admire you and appreciate it. Uh, big picture question for the panel. Five years from now, what does the WNBA look like? And it can be either what you hope it looks like or what you think it'll look like. Ooh. Well, now with the NIL, being a big thing um, for college athletes. Dang, I missed a few years ago. <laughs> but um, I think now that I'm, like social media is huge now. And females, males, they're just getting, I saw a funny TikTok there, like the college person's gonna pull up with a Tesla. It's like, hold on, I'm late for class, here I come. Cause like you're just, you know, it's, it's so crazy. But now I see, you know, women basketball, college athletes are getting the recognition that I think they deserve, really. From social media to the NIL situation where they're getting endorsements, it's actually amazing to see everything switch and I think it's gonna trickle down because, or trickle up, I guess, because these girls that are now college athletes are gonna be in the WNBA, but not only are they gonna bring everything they have skill-wise, but they're gonna bring their fan base. Because now I have friends that are in college that are like, have. 300k followers and you might get a couple of those girls on one team and you have like a crazy amount of following that comes to a specific team and it's it's going to be crazy because we have 12 teams now I think that's going to evolve into more teams because now the fan base is going to grow in the WBA because those college girls are going to come here and I just I just see it going up you know really I just I can't wait to see it, but I think we're going the right direction. Yeah, I'm curious, do we think those, because I think it's uh, Paige Beckers who was the first to sign with Gatorade, right? And, and they never signed yeah. a WNBA player. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is, I've heard a lot of players have a lot of feelings about it, we all do. <laughs> like, you know, we want, I'm curious, do we think that's gonna carry over? So is a brand, is a brand gonna yeah. get to call it when they're done? Are they gonna sign Paige for three years and then be like, oh cool, I'm just gonna get the next UConn player or the next Aaliyah Boston or the next, or are they really gonna invest in that player and carry it over and do like, 
a deal if she's, you know, rookie of the year coming in, whoever that player is. I think that's, I'm, I'm curious of how these brands actually invest in as we start to go into the WNBA. And I think that that'll be a big um, marker. I think in five years, we're still in the CBA, which Cheryl's like always giving me shit about. And she's like, you know, you did a good job with that CBA. But, and I'm like, I know, Cheryl. <laughs> we tried to do everything. I did my best. I was like, your people wouldn't help with the cap. Like, your people. <laughs> we're like fighting, you know, kind of back and forth with that. But I instantly think about the, the CBA, too, which we're still in it, right? It's six years and then with an option after that. So... I think in the W, I'm hoping in those five years that when we go into that next CBA, we have a lot of leverage and a lot of people and really good, smart people in positions and player leadership and union leadership and different owners and the you know owners who are invested like ours that are ready to really knock the socks off. Because I think our CBA kind of like reminds me of when Obama was president. It was like he was digging everybody out of the like out of the muck, right? And our CBA kind of had to level the ground again for just how difficult it had been in the WNBA where we, you know, trying to get things for, you know, moms and things for, she's, <laughs> she gives me so much crap. Um, just kind of setting the foundation, right? It wasn't the one that blew it out of the water, right? Like $230,000 is a lot of money, but like it's not nearly where we need to be for the talent level and our cap is not nearly where it needs to be. And so um, that's where my mind instantly goes. I'm hoping where all the things with marketing and the players and the talents are in the right position. So then when we do get into that next like collective bargaining agreement right on that precipice and hopefully I'm still playing or right at the end and, you know, I can do my, <laughs> do my thing. Just give me end. one year. Yeah, give me one year in the new CBA. I need that money. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, everything that, that these two have said, I, um, I, I think what's next is um, like, like a real explosion. Like, we're a growth stock. Um, and I think the, the key thing is that we do have some very progressive owners that are in the WNBA now. Uh, we have to drown out the uh, sort of the old, tired, I don't mean age, but the old, tired narrative um, that women's sports is about not losing money. You know, like, don't lose a dollar. You know, if you do, then, you know, well, we shouldn't be doing this when they'll, when they'll lose $25 million a year in men's sports. You know, I've said this at nauseum that, you know, in men's sports, doesn't, it doesn't matter what men uh, want to do sports-wise, any, any uh, new pop-up football leagues or, you know, MLS, whatever it is, we're, we're going to build a shiny new stadium. We're going to take $250 million and throw into it. ESPN, FS1, they're all going to put it on. More than half their games are going to be on... Um, on network TV. And so uh, I think maybe five years is too soon, you know, because I think, you know, we're being a little bit optimistic, but hopefully within 10 years, the way that we think about professional women's sports, it is changing drastically. Uh, but the way we think about professional women's sports as an investment, this is that the CBA uh, was the first time that the narrative was about investing in women. Uh, and we moved the needle a little bit, uh, but the, the corporate dollar, uh, is entirely too low. Those investments, they are starting to creep up. Um, but to, to get less than 5% of, of corporate marketing dollar, global marketing dollar, uh, that has to grow exponentially. We need TV rights. Um, you know, CBA is up, but ESPN deals up in 2024. Uh, if it's not ESPN, I hope there's a real competitor uh, to really challenge uh, the 25 million that for 10 years the WNBA's got biggest bargain in, in TV rights history for what we give uh, when they do decide to put us on. Uh, so there's, there's, I think that's, that's where I think we're finally going to um, break through in that area. Um, you know, the change makers I think is something really special uh, in, in a, you know the league level. Uh, I think that if we could get local teams, I would love to see this market. Uh, change makers are those corporations that are gonna stand up and say, we wanna invest in women, this is important, and do it meaningfully. Um, and so just think about that, you know, where you work and you know, people that you're involved in, is there a way that you could be a part of that change to get the big uh, marketing dollar involved? Um, and so I think when we all have a chance to do that and really grow it financially, um, then that's, that's what's next for this league, and I think it can happen. You talked about Mark Laurie texting you when he first got involved with the Timberwolves saying, hey, why, why don't uh, WNBA players make more money? Is somebody like Mark or Alex Rodriguez, can people in those positions help with this process? Oh, there's no question about it. And, and so um, Mark, more than, more than Alex right now, we're, we're still teaching Alex, um, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, Glenn Taylor uh, now kind of having someone like Mark you know, as, as that partnership, um, you know, grows over the next three years, 
Uh, Mark's seeing it differently. Um, Mark Davis in, in Las Vegas, Joe Sai in, in Brooklyn. Um, you know, I'm told the new Atlanta owners. And so now you're talking, it's not just one owner, there's four of them that I think are really interested. And I, I know Kathy is working really hard. We're working on the valuation uh, of franchises. That's really big, the equity, uh, the, equi equi uh, the value of a team. It has been 10 million for however long. Um, and, and so that has to grow. So there's steps that we have to go through, but you have some people that, that have a lot of money. Uh, and if you treat it like a men's sport, men's sports are, they're a hobby for people. Um, you know, it's really, it's not about their, their profit and loss statement. It's just not. Uh, but, you know, we just treat, we've just treated women differently for so long that I think these men, like, like a Mark Laurie, is kind of going, wait, why don't we just pay him a million dollars? And you know, I go, well, Mark, you know, you, you got to get in that room with, you know, the, these MBA owners that, you know, maybe had their arms twisted years ago, you know, that, um, you know, they go, well, I don't want to be the one to stand up and say that we should do more. Uh, so they might have to be pulled a little bit. And that's what I told Mark. I said, you know, you've got your work cut out for you. You know, you've got to be able to get in there and really move the needle and show them what's possible. Uh, because just like the NBA uh, in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the NBA today wasn't, it wasn't always this way. You know, so unless you invest in it, and it takes time for professional sports leagues, 25 years is nothing. That's, that's still infancy. Uh, and so what's next is this, you know, like think about the Timberwolves when, when Glenn bought, when Glenn Taylor uh, bought the team, what it bought it for. Now it's worth one and a half billion dollars. You know, those same possibilities exist in women's sports if you continue to invest in it. No question about it. Do either of you want to add anything to that? Nope, you're good? Nailed yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I covered Alex for a long time as a baseball player. I would just stick working on Mark. I wouldn't worry about Alex. Just, you got a shot with Mark. Um, I was going to say that uh, the NBA, the NHL, and the NFL right now are getting decimated by COVID. I mean, just player after player. Now, a, a wild game was, was postponed this week. I think we're going to see a lot more of that in all those sports. How, how did the WNBA handle COVID so well over the last couple of years? We're women. <laughs> that's the that's the only thing I can think of. It, that uh, I, I mean, I just think that. Uh, well, I'll let you guys answer because I know the sacrifices are many. Uh, the choices that you make, the things you can and can't do. And, and by the way, we're flying commercially. Right. <laughs> Let's add right. to that. Let's start they're there, they're right? charting around, and and they have a bit of a bubble. But yeah, here we are in, in airports and public places. You know, on sitting next to people, crowded airplanes, and, and somehow we were able to you know, do, do really, really well. Yeah. What would you all attribute that to? I would say, yeah, we work smarter. That was my thought when you said, uh, when women start coaching in the NBA is like, yeah. one of their cultures will get better because like we actually work really well and really collaboratively. And people always ask me, they're like, what's the difference? Why can't, why aren't the end guys as good? I'm like, well, they don't have Cheryl, first of all. And like, <laughs> second of all, they're not building that culture from the top down. Yeah. And I think that's a misnomer about women is that it's a myth that we are catty and petty and fight over scraps when like, actually we're really smart and collective and like, I think some of our emotional capacity makes us more aware and being more in touch with that and being more people people. And just that ability, I think it makes you better leaders. And so from the player union side, I know when COVID, before we were in um, this upcoming season, we did so many educational seminars and it was like, just tiresome, tiresome calls that we had. Um, Elizabeth Williams is like our, we call her Dr. E. And um, <laughs> she brought in some Duke doctors um, that she knew. We brought in different doctors to talk about like the myths and the you know, racism and the mistrust around the government and like actually explain what these experiments were. And so people, when you hear athletes just kind of saying those things and regurgitating them, like we kind of attack them head on to say like, let's get educated first because that's like always our first and foremost, the thing we try and do with the union. Um, but it's tiresome, like it takes time and energy because you got to get people, I don't think AP was on the calls. Uh, <laughs> you try to get Probably people on not. the calls, but then you send it out too. So it's, we have this call and maybe there's like, you know, 10, 17 people that can show up between overseas schedules, between people living their lives. And then we blast it out through our player reps who we have this group chat that's two players on every team. So we've got 24 people in it, the people in the executive committee, and then it's like, hit your teammates. Okay, tell them this video is out. Like, do they have any questions? And you get that call from the person who's like, why, why are we playing with COVID? I don't understand why we gotta get masks. Why do we have to test? And we're like, 
we sent it out. Like, and, and that kind of constantly um, communication. I think our league being smaller does make a difference too in some of those ways, but um, I think it's still the, the way we take the approach and like build relationships with each other. So, you know, when like Courtney Williams called me or those people call me like asking me these questions or why we have to get tested, I think we've built relationships to say like, well, we had the education and here, talk to Terry Jackson and we sent the video, like watch the video, this is why, like, so we can play this year, so you can get your money, like, <laughs> and trying to know like what speaks to different people too, that's what we do. Um, I just think really well. I felt like we, as a league, and we, we've done this, we saw this in the bubble, but I, I think that we're so in it for each other Right. And so we were all willing to sacrifice, even if there was some trepidation about it for whatever the reasons. Um, we knew we had to do it for each other. And I think we do that more naturally, uh, more, more easily than maybe, um, you know, some of the other teams. AP, anything you want to add? I agree. Um, I do remember being on some calls and um, that, did, that definitely did help. Like Karen, you know, you're playing with these girls you're playing with these women like you do want to hear everybody's opinion and what they have to say and how everybody feels because you might be feeling a way but maybe you don't say it or someone else might be feeling way and they don't say it but when you do like getting educated was was big because I remember the bubble I was really really nervous to go into the bubble like extremely nervous and I think we had a call with like almost as many girls as we could get on. I think it was a lot like it was almost the whole league before the bubble started like hey do we want to do this these are the requirements. These are what we're going to, this is what we're going to be doing to make sure we stay safe. And that helped me to be like, okay, I feel comfortable with going. Because at first I'm like, no, I don't want to go. Like, what? But then when it was like, okay, let's have an open discussion about everything and talk. And I think that call was like an hour and then more talks with your teammates and texts and groups and going back and forth. It definitely was helpful. It was just more organized, I think. Makes sense. Uh, we're coming to the end here. Glory, is there anything else you want to say or reiterate before we, we bow out? I'd like to ask a real quick question about you guys. Um, tell us something about you guys that you can, that we don't know about you, that you're passionate about. I feel like you both share some good stuff in the media, but what's something for us Minnesotans that you'd like us to know about you? You know what mine is going to be. What's yours? Gaming? They know that about you, though. Well, that's all something I got. <laughs> I'm like, that's all I got. Something we don't know. Uh, I don't know how much I've talked. I've posted food on my Instagram, but cooking <laughs> is something I'm super, super passionate about. Like, we didn't get to um, our kitchen that we have that, you know, Cheryl, back when free agency before when I didn't sign with them, but I ended up here. Uh, she was telling me all about uh, how... <laughs> <laughs> how like we have this kitchen and you know they'll cook you eggs and all this food and when I got here COVID hit, hit already and so we got the meals but they were kind of in front of our locker and these to-go things and they were you know trying to stay warm and practice you know would go forever so by the time we got our food yeah. who knows what you know that little chicken was left <laughs> so since I've been back the last few weeks our kitchen's been open and like Whoa. our food is I think I scared the chefs because I walked in one day <laughs> Um, and I was like, who made the salmon cakes? Like, I was like pointing at them, like, and the guy was like, oh yeah, me. I was like, Lucas, like, those were so good. <laughs> and, uh, food is like such a passion for me. Like Syl was making fun of me this year as we went to eat at our team dinner and, and Natalie and myself are very similar in that. And we were like, oh my God, do you taste like the apple and the chive yeah. and the cheese? And that was like, well, we or, went to the Indian restaurant. I was yeah. like, yeah, like, Syl. <laughs> So, bringing it down. <laughs> yeah, like food is, I'm super, super passionate about food. So I don't maybe like, you know, intern with a kitchen or something. I told them like, I'm gonna have to get back there and That'd teach me cool. how to prep That'd and everything. Really cool. I know BB's got her food truck and, and all that stuff. And I know the president circle was one of the big, um, you know, connections that helped her get off the ground. So food is like, yeah, my heart. <laughs> I don't have anything other than gaming. Um, I like to fish. Love to fish. That's a good um, one. And actually, I was talking to someone. Oh, I mentioned it before, like, you know, with the lakes, all the lakes being here, I like to fish. And I might do, in January, I don't think I told you, um, ice fishing. You need and to. In this little situation where, you know, it's going to be really cool. So that's about it for me. That's good, though. That's you good. want ice fishing. Yeah, but it's going to be more luxury ice fishing. I will not be outside in the cold. I'm going to be somewhere really nice in, like, a little trailer. With cut, we're going to cut a hole and just dip it down and be watching the football game or something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Have you been ice fishing? 
you know, I always swore I would never go. The concept of a heated tent or whatever on the ice just always kind of got me, you know, driving a vehicle. It's so not I, real logical. It's not. And, yeah. you know, but actually, um, I forget how old Oliver was. He was probably four. And we had some friends from out of town, and they really wanted to go. So I hooked them up, and I said, okay, look, you guys go. I'm not going. And then Ollie's like, I want to go. So he's like, all right, we'll drive you out there. And, of course, we went out there, and we stayed. And we were out there for about an hour. And uh, so I, I can't say I actually fished. I didn't wow. do anything. <laughs> You know, done more poor than little me. guy, he's four years old and he drops his line and he's like looking for the fish. I'm like, nobody. It's like, <laughs> you're going to have to wait for a long time. <laughs> you know, I was like, where's the fish? You don't know. It's so. just a Minnesotan's excuse to go drink beer. I think it is. All I think it is. It is. Uh, don't tell my secrets now. Don't tell my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's talk about other people. Um, so if there are no other live questions, I just want to once again thank everybody. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you to Glory for organizing this and doing such great work. What I love about this, I mean, there, listen, there are a lot of athletes, there are a lot of organizations that do great work, and we appreciate all of them. What I like about this is it's just so direct. You have somebody who's cold on the street, and you hand them a coat. You hand them gloves. It's just an immediate impact. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for all that. Thank you so much for coming out, AP. Thank you, Lasia. I appreciate it very much. Thanks to the boss, Cheryl Reeves. Cheryl, why don't you give us a final thought on anything you like? This is always good. Final thought on anything you like before we bow. Well, out I just, I just, I'm, I'm grateful. Um, I, I felt a lot of it last week with uh, so many great people uh, that I have in my life, um, and I'm, I'm just really fortunate, you know, every day to be a part of um, something I love so much and doing it with uh, people that I just think so much of. Lasia and, and Ariel are, are two that are representing tonight, but um, these guys didn't have to do this. They didn't no, have to be here. No, and and um, I'm just appreciative. So thanks for thanks for giving of your time. I'm really super appreciative of our, our Lynx crew. Uh, same thing. These guys come out. I, I don't make them come. They're, they're so nice. They're, they're here. Really appreciate all of you. Um, and 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 I, I can never say enough about you know what what these two these are an example that I hear all the time about what people think of you all as our fans, um, and so you know supporting the show I really appreciate, but bigger than that you know supporting the organization at every turn uh, I just can't say enough. So thank you, thank you to all of you. One more round of thank yous. Uh, then I would like you to give these people a very nice round of applause. Uh, thank you to our sponsors. We can't do the show without you. Rudy Luther Toyota, All Energy Solar. Cara Quinn, my realtor, successful marketing group. Thank you to our longtime producer, Brandon Morton. Uh, but now, you know what? All of you, just give each other a round of applause for all the good hey. work you've done. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is a good question. Good?